Well, it'd be great if you could have that passage uh, that we read earlier, 1 Corinthians 13, in front of you. And I want to ask that question I asked earlier, how is your love life? Of course, I, I clarified, I'm not interested, and this passage is not interested primarily in how we're getting on in loving our spouses or loving our girlfriends or boyfriends, this passage is interested in how are we getting on spiritually speaking. With respect to your love to God and for other people, how are you getting on? Now, in our prayer of confession, we came before God and we admitted that as sinners, we know that we're not getting on as well as we ought. We don't love God as he deserves to be loved. We don't love others as they deserve to be loved. Let me say that to answer the question, how is your love life, the best place to begin is not with self. The best place to begin is by staring at our Savior. Because you need to know this. You and I, who've put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, are greatly loved. In this, love has been made manifest that God gave his one and only Son to be an atoning sacrifice for us. Anyone who is a Christian, you are born of God. You've come to discover the amazing love of God offered to sinners who do not deserve it. So the first place we want to look at as we think about our love life is to look afresh at our glorious God, who is the God of love, and see his amazing love for us. In 1 John chapter 4, where we read that God is love, we also read that anyone who is beloved of God will begin to abide in the love of God. That is, by the Holy Spirit, God works within us to transform us. So those who receive God's love reflect God's love. Those who experience God's love embody God's love. God's purpose in saving us is to make us into the glorious image of his Son. To make us Love as he loves. And I start there because if you're going to understand 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we need to understand that we will only make sense of this passage in a gospel-centered way, in a Christ-centered way. Understanding that this passage, it drives us actually to see that we don't love God as we should, but that Christ loves us as he should. We don't measure up, but he measures up in our place and for us. And as our hearts are captivated by him, so then too our lives are transformed as we revel in his amazing love. So I want to say that by way of beginning. How is your love life? Well, you are greatly loved by God. And if you are in Christ, God's love is at work in you to make you more like Christ. Now, let me tell you what we're going to do today. This morning we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. We're going to see that love is essential. We're going to see the necessity of love. 
You can have it all. You, you, you can have eloquence. You can have gifts. You can be so sacrificial. But if you do not have love, you're nothing. And then tonight we're going to come back and we're going to look at the character of love in verses 4 through 7. And we're going to see that this passage points us to Jesus. These words are all personified in him. Now, I'm sure like me that you've heard these words many times. You've maybe even got a plaque in your home with these words up on the wall. The context we most often hear these words are in the context of a wedding, marriage. But let's be clear, when Paul originally penned these words, he was not thinking of a bride and groom. He was thinking of a congregation of Christians just like this. He was thinking of the church he'd planted in Corinth. And he wrote this great chapter on love for them because they were having problems in their love life. They were not loving one another as they ought to. In fact, if you read First Corinthians chapter 1, the church was filled with factions and cliques. Some said, I'm of Paul. I love Paul's preaching. Others said, I love Apollos. Still others said, I love Peter. And then those who were super said, listen, I'm of Christ. But there weren't just divisions over who their favorite preachers were. There were divisions over a whole raft of matters, of theology, of practice. And what's interesting is that when you get to chapters 12 and 14, which sandwich this great chapter in love, there's division over spiritual gifts. You see, many had come to think that because they possessed the spiritual gifts, they were superior to those who didn't have any or those who had lesser spiritual gifts. And instead of using their spiritual gifts to bless the, and edify the body of Christ, they were using the spiritual gifts to puff themselves up with pride. And so Paul, with that in mind, takes his pen and at the end of chapter 12, he says, guys, I want to show you the most excellent way. I want to show you the way of love. You don't measure your Christian life, your spirituality, by the gifts you possess. You measure your Christian life by love. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We'll see that without love, we are nothing. And God willing, as we study this passage, we're going to be pointed and driven to Christ and see that we need more of his love to see it, to understand it, that we might showcase it ourselves. Now look at verses, verse 1 with me. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. In the verses that are going to follow, Paul's going to employ hyperbole. It's to grab our imaginations. He's going to say, if you possess the greatest gift in speech, for example, or a wide variety of gifts, or if you were truly sacrificial, it doesn't matter if you have all of that. If you don't have love, you have nothing. Now look at what he says in this verse. He says, if I 
were to speak with the tongues of men and of angels. What Paul's clearly addressing here is the fact that in chapter 12, one of the gifts that everybody placed a premium on was having the gift of tongues. Now, the way tongues can be interpreted can be a supernatural language of tongues or literally the gift of being able to speak in a foreign language that you've never been taught and learned. So Paul says, imagine that I had the gift of tongue, the tongues of men. I could speak in every language of every people group in the world. In fact, he goes further. Imagine I had the gift of speaking the language of the angels. Imagine I can speak in heaven's language. If I don't have love, that is completely, utterly meaningless. His illustration is, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, an instrument that was loud but ultimately devoid of meaningful content. Now we just need to take this verse and apply it to ourselves. I remember when I was training training for ministry, um, one of my professors says, you know, it's one thing to love preaching. It's one thing to stand up and to love expounding on God's word. But it's quite another thing to love the people you are preaching to. If you don't love the people you preach to, your preaching is in vain. It's one thing to be able to speak with the tongues of men and of angels. But if you don't have love, it's meaningless. Now let's take that and apply that to all manner of aspects in our life. As Christians. When you speak to others, do you speak with hearts that are filled with love? So, so, so maybe you're on door duty. Maybe you're on the road for door duty. When people walk into our church, do you have a heart of love? After the service, when we're having tea and coffee and we're speaking to one another, is it with a heart of love for the other? If you're involved in teaching, say, say house group or Sunday school, do you have love for those you teach? The measure of anyone's Christian life is love. Remember hearing one really famous preacher, he'd become famous because he'd written a book, it's so thousands of copies and so he'd get invited to speak at so many conferences and as he was in so many conferences he started to realize that he was really just energized by the fact that all these people loved to hear him but he quickly realized that his heart didn't love the people he was preaching to and so on one occasion when he stood just prepared to stand on a on a platform where he literally was addressing thousands he said god How dare I go out to speak to them about your love when I don't love them? As soon as he said those words, he was undone. He fell to his knees and and God started to bring to his mind the gospel. God had loved him. He was unlovable, undeserving of his love. 
God had changed him through the love of Christ. And as he got up from his knees, his prayer was, God, help me to love them as you love me. And brothers and sisters, that's got to be our prayer. Help us to love others in our speech as you love us. No, last week we were looking at the story of the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler, after he said that he wasn't going to give away his money, we read what well, said in Mark's Gospel, Jesus looked at him who was lost and sad and loved him. You see, this passage exposes our failure as Christians, but it also reminds us there is one who, quite literally, can speak the tongues of men and the tongues of heaven, and he he did it and does it with love. These Corinthian Christians, they were using the, the, the spiritual gifts, this gift of tongues, and it was all about themselves that they possessed it. They thought that because they possessed the gift of tongues, then they must be spiritual. Paul comes and he says, if you want to know if you're spiritual, do you have a heart filled with love? Okay, so that's the first verse. Let's look at the second verse. If I have the gift of prophecy... Can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Again, the problem with the Corinthian Christians is that they thought that by the extent of gifts that they had received from God by His Spirit, that that must amount to them being spiritual. Notice that Paul uses three different gifts that the Spirit gives. He speaks of the gift of prophecy, the gift of knowledge, And the gift of faith. Listen, we cannot measure a person's spirituality by their eloquence or their words. And we certainly cannot measure a person's spirituality by the extent of their gifts. But we often do. You know, it's easy when you sometimes can look at another Christian and you can think, they must be really mature. Like they serve so much in the church. They're on rotas, they're involved in in, in back, uh, behind the scenes things in the church. They're so gifted. Listen, gifts do not equate with spirituality. Love. Let's look at the three gifts that is mentioned here. The gift of prophecy, that's a gift to be able to speak the word of God to the people of God. Paul says, if you have that gift and you do not have love, you have nothing. The next gift is the the gift to fathom all mysteries and to have all knowledge. If you have, right, a really sharp mind for the scriptures, you know, you understand doctrines like the Trinity, even though there's great mystery there. You understand doctrines like the incarnation, the doctrines like the, the, the relationship between predestination and free will and the end times. If you understand all those things, but do not have love, it's meaningless. It's easy to see someone who's got lots of theology and think they must, they must be really mature spiritually. 
Wrong measure. Love is the measure. The next gift that Paul draws attention to is the gift of faith. A faith that can move. You know, you know that sort of person, you hear them pray in the prayer meeting, they pray with faith, they ask God to do the impossible. Seems like when they ask, God hears them, answers their prayers. Easily fall into the thing, they must be spiritually mature. But if they don't come to God with a heart of love for God and for others, it is meaningless. God's not interested in external behavior. God's interested in internal reality. You cannot measure a person by the extent of their gifts, but you can measure a person by their love. Are you gifted? You do a lot of things in church. Honestly, how is your love life? And then we come to verse 3. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to the hardship that that I might boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. You can't measure a person by their speech, their eloquence, impressiveness of their words. You can't measure somebody by the extent of their gifts. And now Paul says you cannot measure a person by the depth of their sacrifice. You know, some people who just give generously. It could be easy to think that spiritual Spiritually mature. He, he gives, he adds this illustration, give over my body to hardship. Some translation says, give over my body to the flames. Literally, you can give yourself in martyrdom, but if you do not have love, your death is meaningless. Let me, let me just do a little hard check. Why do you give of your time? of your talents, of your gifts in church. Is it because of love? Is it because, as Paul highlights in his second letter to the Corinthians, we have received from God so generously in the gospel, he who was rich became poor so that through his poverty we might become rich in his love? Is it because that has mastered our hearts and our the overflowing response and gratitude is to give cheerfully and in response to that? Or do we just give because we think it's a done thing to do? Or do we give out of guilt If we do not give out of love, our giving is meaningless. Our sacrifices are sacrifices that God takes pleasure in. So you can't measure someone's spirituality by their sacrifice. Love is the true measure of all things. Paul's point here is, listen, love is essential. Now, in every verse we've looked at, right, we need to see that it exposes us. It exposes our love life. One of our dangers is we we don't realize that we are less loving 
than we actually think we are. A lot less loving than we ought to be because we've experienced the amazing love of God. So what's going to help us? What's going to make us more loving? If you look at these three verses and we see that the only one who can fulfill them is Jesus, we come to see something of his incredible love. He had the gift of prophecy. He came to speak the word of God to the people of God and he did it perfectly. He could fathom all mysteries. He had all knowledge. He was omniscient. He could move mountains into the sea if he so desired. He could do the impossible. He gave his everything. His life. But it was with love. It was for sinners like you and me. With all the knowledge. He had a knowledge of you. Knowing you fully. Knowing you truly. Knowing you better than anyone else knows you. And yet he loved you like no one has loved you. He spoke the gospel to you in love. He awoke your heart, opened your eyes to see him for who he is. He brought you to discover the amazing love of God in the gospel. You know, the, the realization, the great discovery that we don't measure up in terms of our love life, it shouldn't crush us but actually liberate us to open our eyes and see the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. We are nothing without love, but this is the amazing truth of the gospel. Jesus is everything, and at the very heart, he is love. And in everything he does, it is with love. It is for the good of the other. You know, in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, he has this amazing statement. Chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. For the love of Christ controls us. How does the love of Christ come to control, control a person? Master a person? Compel a person? Here's what he says. Because we've concluded this. That one has died for all, and therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Those who have come to see what Christ has done for them come to no longer want to live for themselves, but to live for him. And as a result of living for him, it means we live for others. So we need to welcome his love into our lives. If we have no love, we have nothing. But if we have love, though we may lack much, we have what matters most. You know when Paul says at the end of chapter 12, I want to show you the most excellent way. The most excellent way is the way of love. And so brothers and sisters, let me invite us afresh to come and behold the love of God in the face of Christ Jesus. 
come and remind yourself of the, of the God who spoke to you in love through his word to bring you himself. Come and remind yourself that he knows you. He understands the mysteries of this universe. He understands the mysteries of your life that you can't add up, you can't put together. He understands everything and yet he loves you. He has given you everything you need because he's given you himself. And as we are driven to him, and I ask us the question again, how is your love life? Hopefully, better than when we began. You're greatly loved. I'm greatly loved. That is life transforming. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that when we come to your word and we come under your word, you examine us, you search us, you expose to us things that we sometimes don't want to face up to. God, we would like to think that we are people who are marked and characterized and filled with love, and yet we know that so often our thoughts aren't filled with you and your amazing love for us. And so we pray that this morning as we've come to see that these verses find their fulfillment in you, that we would be so enamored and captivated by the love of God, that you would shed it abroad in our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that we who have received your love in the gospel would reflect your love to those around about us. But even as we come in just a minute to sing, some of us can sing with tongues of angels, but without love it's meaningless. Lord, even as we come after the service, some of us will speak to one another over tea and coffee, please would you grant us your love in our minds and our hearts. Help us to love one another as you have loved us. Even as we go into our week, help us to be a people marked and characterized by love. Thank you that you are the generous God who has given us gifts by your Spirit. May we use every gift that you've given for the purpose of love and in the, with the motive of love. For we ask it in your precious and powerful name. Amen.